Chapter 10 of The Submarine Boys for the Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Dickerman, Claremont, New Hampshire. The Submarine Boys for the Flag by Victor G. Durham. Mr. Gray Makes New Trouble. Had Jack Benson started down the slope two or three seconds later, he must have been killed. As it was, the fearful force of concussion sent him sprawling headlong on the ground. A shower of small fragments of rock and of loose dirt fell about him. Yet Jack was up again like a flash, never stopping to inquire whether he had been hurt. Uh-oh, came the groan from Hal Hastings. There, in a second, panted Captain Jack, beginning to run again. A blow sounded, then a fall. Captain Jack raced into a little bush-lined hollow just in time to see Millard leap up and take to his heels. Hal Hastings lay on the ground as though badly hurt. Oh, you would, would you, raged Captain Jack, making a swift spurt after Millard. He caught the long-legged one, too by the back of the fellow's coat-collar. Yank! Millard was pulled over backward. Down he went, Benson piling atop of him. Down! cried Skipper Jack exultantly. He found, however, that Millard possessed strength enough to put up a stiff fight. Come on, Hal, if you can, called Jack Benson sharply. Can't, just yet, came in muffled tones from the usually prompt Hal Hastings. Let go, you young hound, ordered Millard, striking out savagely. Jack hung desperately, yet the trouble was that the young submarine skipper had tackled a man who was at least fifty percent stronger and fully as agile. While Hal still hung back, Millard gave a heave, then rolled himself over on top of Jack Benson. I'll give you just a short lesson, snarled the long-legged one. He raised a fist, intent on bringing it down like a sledgehammer across Benson's face. That blow, however, wasn't the one that landed. Biff! Whack! Two sturdy hard fists registered on Millard's head from behind. Then a boy shot himself forward, battering ram fashion, hurling Millard over to the ground. The boy went with the fellow, landing on top of him. And that boy was F. Summers. Come on, Jack, if you want some of this, offered F. generously. Truth to tell, there was need of both the submarine boys, for Millard now fought more fiendishly than before. Millard was a powerful fellow, when aroused, but he had pitted against him two of the doughtiest, gamest boys to be found along the Atlantic coast. He was pretty well beaten up, in fact, by the time that Hal came limply upon the scene. Want any help? demanded Hal in a still somewhat breathless voice. Nope, answered F. sturdily. Not unless you want exercise. As Summer spoke, he landed another blow, this against the wind at Millard's belt line. In the same instant, Jack Benson managed to knot his hands in the fellow's coat lapels and to press the backs of his hands against the wretch's throat. I surrender, gurgled the long-legged one weakly. You'd better, unless you want to discover that we haven't yet started in with rough handling, retorted F. valiantly. Young Benson eased his hold on Millard's windpipe. 
yet all three of the submarine boys watched their prisoner, cat-like, for any new outbreak. Now, roll over on your face, if you want us to believe you're going to be good, ordered Jack. Though he swore under his breath, Millard obeyed. Then something flashed in the night. Handcuffs that Jack had brought away from his meeting with Lieutenant Ritter at the hotel. Click. The steel band snapped into place around Millard's right wrist. Hold on, not that, protested the prisoner hoarsely. Yes, even that, mocked Death, picking up a fragment of rock. And keep quiet, unless you want me to batter your head in. It was this rough, vigorous sea talk, backed by a belief that young Summers would prove equal to his threat, no doubt, that made Millard allow his left wrist to be brought over to meet the right. You've got those things on too tight, complained Millard sullenly. No, I don't think so, retorted Captain Jack, after looking. We need them as tight as we can have them, without causing pain, when we have a fellow like you to deal with. Now, what was that explosion? Wait a second, broke in F, in a low voice. Millard had a pal here. It was the pal I shadowed here. And that pal is running, now with a fair-sized bundle that he came here to get. He was running when you jumped into this business, demanded Benson. Yes. Then the pal is too far away by now for us to catch him by running after him, decided Skipper Jack. Now, about that explosion. This wretch had a mine planted up on the hill, explained Hal Hastings. I was watching at the rear, you know, and it happened that I stopped right close to the hollow where you found me. Then I saw Millard drop into that hollow, and I took a look in. I was just in time to see him bending over to reach for the handle of a magneto battery. Now I happen to know that magneto batteries are made for the purpose of touching off explosives at a safe distance. So I jumped in on him. Just at that second, I heard you, Jack, old fellow, striking with the shovel up above there. I had to guess fast, so the whole thing struck me like a flash. Millard had been digging, up there, just to lead on anyone who might be shadowing him. While you were bent over the spot where he had been digging, he meant to touch off a mine that must have been planted and laid days ago. Millard, you rascal, if you suspected that you were being watched, it was your idea to lead the shadow out here, get him over that mine, and touch it off. The prisoner's eyes flashed. That was your game, wasn't it? demanded Benson angrily. Find out if you can, growled the prisoner. You've guessed it, Hal, nodded Jack, then shuddered. Had I followed this villain out here alone, and then gone to digging, unwarned, where I had seen him digging, my remains would have come down in four counties. But, you mean scoundrel, you never happened to think that you'd be trailed by three different fellows, all at different points along your trail. This is where my account comes in, interposed F. Summers. You remember the village you sent me to, Jack? Well, all I could find out was that, a few days ago, a chap named Gray had come along and hired a little schooner that's about twice as fast as any other sailing craft in these parts. He hired two fishermen to sail it for him. When he got ready... His crew have been wondering since when he'd be ready. Since he made the deal, Gray has just been hanging around and doing nothing. 
my informant pointed out Gray to me. Right after that, I vanished, but I kept an eye on Gray. When he left the village, so did I. The trail led up here. Gray went to a pile of dead brush that had been heaped up. He prowled under the brush, brought out a wooden box that had been hidden there, and from the box took a bundle. He started off with it. I figured that bundle was what we wanted. I didn't want to take the chance of tackling him and having him get the best of me, so I started to follow. Just then, I heard the rumpus up here. Maybe I did wrong, but I figured we could get Gray again, so I hustled up here to help. This wretch Millard and I had a pretty rough and tumble time of it, Hal broke in. At last, though, he gave me a blow in the wind that put me right down and out for a little while. Then he got the handle of the magneto and pumped it. Glad I started down the slope just when I did, nodded Skipper Jack dryly. If I hadn't, well, what's the use of talking about it? Forcing Millard to get upon his feet, the boys inspected first the magneto battery to which was attached wire buried in the ground. Then up the slope they went to find a miniature crater some ten feet deep and at least fourteen feet across where the mine had been exploded. Say, it's hard even yet to understand why I wasn't killed, muttered Jack Benson. But here we are, standing here, thinking about ourselves, when that fellow Gray is getting away with a package that we ought to have. Come along, fellows, and you, Millard, if you try to hold back on us, you'll learn some new things in the way of discomfort. Thus warned and realizing that his determined young captors were in a savage frame of mind, the long-legged one didn't try to lag. All four appeared in the village in which F. had prowled for information. The appearance of the handcuffed prisoner stirred up a lot of curiosity. F., however, showed his written authorization for taking Millard in the name of the United States government, so no one offered the captive any aid or sympathy. But the submarine boys met with disturbing news. They heard that a little more than a half an hour before, Gray, still carrying a big package, had embarked on his chartered schooner and had put to sea. Had we better charter something and go in chase, wondered Hal? What's the use, demanded one of the fishermen. The Juanita is four miles or more out to sea by this time, and the night's dark, you couldn't see her and there's no craft hereabouts fast enough to catch the Juanita. Besides, whispered Jack in his chum's ear, we have no power to overhaul a craft at sea. So, making the best of the situation, the submarine boys hired a driver, horse, and wagon at the village and started on their return to town. End of Mr. Gray Makes New Trouble